Well, hey, good morning. Welcome. So glad that you are joining with us this morning. Welcome to Frontline. My name is David. I'm on staff here and just excited just about the series that we're in right now called In the Wild. Just a a couple of significant pillars that the Israelite people learned in the wilderness or in the wild uh, after they were exited or exiled out of Egypt. So there's just some great learnings that we have today. But here's the thing. The, The topic that we're talking about today honestly brings out a lot of different emotions in a lot of different people because the topic is about money. And money's weird and money's funny because money, a lot of times for a lot of us, is like a weird friend, right? Like sometimes it's there for you and sometimes it's not. And and sometimes you can count on it and sometimes you can. And sometimes it delivers and produces what you hoped it would and other times it doesn't. And you can't find it and you can't explain it. And it actually can do damage in many different areas and places in our lives. So we're going to dive in and talk about money. But the reason we're talking about money today and even tithing in particular is because Jesus knows that this is a significant issue and a significant problem and also a significant undertaking that a lot of us are required to deal with in our lives In fact, there's 39 different parables that Jesus unpacked with his disciples and audience members that were listening in. And Jesus used parables to talk about God and to talk about greater things, but in simple ways that people could understand. And 11 of those 39 were about personal finances. This is why I love talking about this and about money is because money is like fire. When it's controlled and when it's handled appropriately, it can do and produce so many great things and do some great things for people. But if it's not handled appropriately, if it's not managed, and if it's not stewarded, and if it's not watched carefully, it can actually lead to a lot of damage and harm. And Jesus wants to save us from the damage and harm and negative effects that can be caused by a mishandling of a simple thing and tool like money. So Jesus goes into it, and Jesus explains it. And God has this intention throughout all of Scripture to do the same thing for his people, starting with Abram and the Israelites and leading up to us today. So there's a lot to be learned, but the question I want to tackle together today is this question. How can I steward my finances in a way that actually draws me closer in my relationship with God? To do that, we're going to dive in and we're actually going to start in Genesis. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 14 and it's going to be verse 19. If you have a Bible at home or if you have your phone, you want to open it up. But in Genesis chapter 14, what you need to know is there's a man named Abram. And so Abram has a relationship with God. God speaks to Abram and says, Abram, I want you to leave your land. I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave the people and things that you are accustomed to and trust me. I want you to follow me. I want you to take your people, your family, your livestock. I want you to take everything and leave and follow me to a place I'm not going to tell you where you're going. And Abraham does. says he trusted the Lord. So God led him and Abram finally finds a place to settle in. And he settles and he has a nephew named Lot. And something bad and tragic happens. There's many different kingdoms that exist in the Middle East at this time. And so they were warring against each other. They were allied on one side and on the other side. It was four kingdoms versus five. And what Abram finds out is that Lot was living in a city called Sodom. Sodom was taken down by another rivaling kingdom and the allies of kingdoms. And so they came and invaded Sodom. They looted it and they kidnapped a bunch of people from Sodom and took them away. And so Abram learned that his nephew was in trouble and he grabbed the people, the people, his people, his family line, his warriors. He grabbed them and said, we're going to go rescue Lot. 
And so that's what they do. They embark and they go out and they try to rescue Lot and they do. They get him and they get the possessions back. And this is what happens. This is the scene. The king of Sodom, the one whose city or whose kingdom was ransacked, is meeting with Abram. And there's another, it's a high priest, his name is Melchizedek, and they meet in the valley, it's called the Valley of the Kings, and this is the conversation that they have. It goes like this, Genesis chapter 14, verse 19, it says, and he blessed Abram, this is Melchizedek, the high priest, he blessed Abram, saying, blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand. This is so important. Melchizedek points to a significant truth that God delivered Abram's enemies into Abram's hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. This is the first Tithe. The word tithe literally means tenth. Abram, in response to what God had done in delivering Abram's enemies to and restoring Lot back to him, Abram gives a tenth of what he had gotten back to the Lord by giving it to Melchizedek, who oversaw the temple. The king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the people and keep the gods or the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, with raised hand, I have sworn an oath to the Lord God most high, creator of heaven and earth, that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or the strap of a sandal so that you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. I will accept nothing but what my men have eaten and the share that belongs to the men who went with me, to Aner, Eshkol, and Mamre. Let them have their share. This is such an important conversation and statement that Abram makes in the company of witnesses that Abram says, God delivered you and these people who ransacked you. God delivered your people and your things, my enemies, into my hands. My provision does not come from you, king of Sodom. My provision does not come from me, Abram. My provision does not come from anyone or anything other than God Almighty himself. And so I'm going to take a tenth of what we've had, and I'm going to give it back to the Lord. I'm going to take nothing because my provision comes from him. Such an important statement that happens here. And God responds to it in Genesis chapter 15. Right after, this is the next verse, it says this in verse 1. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. Can you think about Abram? I mean, just put yourself in his shoes. You just went out, you conquered. You're not really a warrior. You don't have a track record of conquering or, or whatever. All you went out and all you set out to do was to rescue your nephew, right? The nephew that just tends to get himself in trouble. You go out, you rescue him, you bring him back. But can you imagine, there he was, he swore an oath to God and he said, I won't take anything from anyone. And so he said it and he made a claim and he made this bold statement. And only you can imagine, like you and I would think, was that foolish? Was that smart? All of this wealth, all of these possessions, this loot that we had, that we had rescued, that we had redeemed, that we had gotten back, and we, I deserve this, I fought for this, I worked this, I could keep this 
for myself and protect myself. I could provide for myself. Can you imagine the fear that could bubble up in Abram and say, did I make a mistake? God speaks to it. He says, don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. You don't need things to protect you because I protect you. God says this, I am your very great reward. You look at the spoils. You look at the loot and the stuff. You look at the cattle and the animals. You, you look at what you redeemed and what you worked for and what you rescued. I know that stuff looks good, but I am better than all of that combined. I am your great reward. God responds to Abram and then goes on to unpack in these next few verses. He says, Abram, I have chosen you to be the father of so many nations, but one nation, very special, very important, very near and dear to my heart. It'll be the nation Israel. Abram will forever be known as Father Abraham because out of him came descendants upon descendants upon descendants, ultimately leading to King David, and even more importantly, ultimately leading to King Jesus. What God was out to accomplish here in the realm of wealth and tithing and giving and stewardship and all of it, what God was out to accomplish was so much bigger than Abram. It was for humanity. And what God said is, Abram, I'm going to use you. I'm going to gift you with this thing called money and wealth and education and opportunity. And I'm going to bless you with these, not for your sake, but for the sake of the rest of the world. And I'm going to put a capstone on it, the cornerstone of all of it, and it will be my son, Jesus, that will transform and change the world. And I want you to be a part of it. That's how God responds to Abram's faithfulness. It's amazing. So as we keep reading, it started a pattern, right? Israelite leaders like Jacob and Moses, they continued to give, and it became a staple in Israelite communities to give a tenth of their earnings. It would be the first fruits, the best, the first tenth that comes in, the best of the best of whatever is yielded, whatever crops are grown, whatever paycheck is earned, whatever it is, a tenth was devoted to the Lord as a reminder for the Israelite people, what we earn and what we receive is not of our own doing, but straight from God, our provider himself. So it goes on and on and on. But as we all know, people are kind of funny when it comes to wealth. And I don't know about you, but I've certainly had, uh, when you're looking at your first paycheck, when you're looking at your, your savings account or your checking account or you're starting to look at the house that you live in or, or the vehicle you drive or the vacations you take, when you start to look at this stuff and you start adding this up, it does some funny and weird things to our hearts. It starts to promote sometimes like this independence, maybe this pride, like I, I earned that. I did that. I'm in control of that. That's mine. And so we start to think and we start to allow ourselves just to to be distorted that what we receive isn't necessarily from him. It was from what we did, from our work. So this is so important for us to realize is that the people of Israel whose hearts begin to slowly change, they actually change just like our hearts do, like yours and like mine. And so what the people ended up doing, and this is what God responds to in Malachi chapter 3, is the people start withholding their tithe from the Lord. 
They no longer were giving. They, they no longer were sacrificing. They no longer were offering. They started saving it for themselves because money does this weird thing to our hearts. And God responds to the people in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. This is the last book of the Old Testament. God says this. He says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? God's response is this, in tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. God responds to the people and he says, when you lack giving the tenth, the first fruits, the best of the best, when you do not give to me, you are robbing me. And I would take it even one step further and, and just speak to all of us here. In seasons that we don't give to the Lord, this isn't a message about giving here to Frontline. This, this isn't a message with an agenda trying to get you to give any specific place. But here's what it is trying to get you to understand is that when we give, we give to the Lord. And that when we don't, we withhold from him. God is trying to say to his people is God doesn't change. The same promise that God made to Abram, and he said, I am your shield, I am your great reward. God is promising to take care and to provide and to bless all of us. God is promising this. He's making great promises, great covenants, great decrees that say, You can trust me, I won't change. And so when we don't give, we're not just robbing God, I believe we're robbing ourselves. We're actually robbing ourselves of what God intends to do in our own hearts. And for many of us as, as wealthy Americans, as we just compare our country and our resources to the rest of the world, almost all of us watching this are wealthy in the context of our world. And we are robbing ourselves from the experience of what God intends to do in us and even more so through us like he promised Abram. Matthew 6, verse 19, Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin don't destroy and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God's deep desire is to have a grip and have a hold on your heart in a way that money can't have. But it'll go after it. So God's intention here is not, I don't want to take something from you. I desperately want to give me to you. I want to set you free from this thing, from this curse that greed and pride and envy has the ability to wreak on our lives. So I want to ask you this. Um, 
I remember when I was in fourth grade, uh, my parents asked me to clean my room. And it was kind of one of those repetitive things. I didn't like doing it. It was kind of annoying. And, and I had a quick fix. I would, I would take everything, and when nobody was looking, I would slam it all into the closet and close the door and prop the door just right so that it wouldn't bulge because it was one of those bifold. So I'd leave it just there, and I'd say, ta-da, my room's clean. Well, my parents came in, and, and they know, and they saw the budging closet door and opened it, and it all fell out. And they said, you lied to us. You didn't clean your room. I said, well, yeah, I did. I cleaned up the floor. And, and so they said, you're grounded. You're grounded. We told you to do something and you didn't do it. You disobeyed. And so there's consequences for that. And I remember they closed my door and they walked upstairs and I looked and I made a decision right then and there. I'm running away. I've had it. Have you ever made that decision? Right? Have you ever been in your house as a kid? Maybe it was in high school. Maybe it was earlier. I think I was in fourth grade. I said, I've had enough of this. This is done. I'm over. I'm moving out. And I remember looking and I go, I'm going to need some clothes. I'm going to need some candy. I know I got that stashed down here. And I'm going to need a toy because it's probably going to get bored. So I grabbed my Game Boy. That, that was my thought process. But then here's what happened. I remember looking at the clock and seeing it was like 417 in the afternoon. And I went, you know what? I think I'll wait till after dinner to run away because I don't know how to cook either. So I'll, I'll eat dinner and then I'll run away and I'll start my own new life. You ever do that? I mean, did you ever do that as a kid? And then the reality start to hit you like, okay, if I actually do leave, which I didn't, but if I actually do leave, how am I going to provide for myself? If I actually do leave, who's going to provide a place for me to live? Who's going to provide a, a place for me to eat? and food to eat? Who's going to walk alongside of me and make sure I'm following through with what I say that, that can pour into me and develop me as, as a young man growing up? Who, who can actually provide schooling for me? And, and where can I learn skills to provide value to the society? Where, who can I do that? Here, here's the realization that sets in. I am going to be just as utterly dependent on people out there in the world as I am right now. But here's the one difference. And I wanted to write this down so that we get this. Those that I was reliant on actually loved me. And there's something about when that reality and the realization sets in that the people around me love me and want something for me and require something of me, not out of this place of taxation, not out of this place of obligation, but out of a place of love, of protection, of provision. The same is true in our relationship with God as we think about tithing. And I think so many people are resistant to the thought or the idea of someone standing on a stage like this talking about tithing. Because what we hear is, you just want something from me. And that's so wrong. Here's what I want to communicate to you. God has something for you, but it costs you something. To release the grip that money and wealth and greed so often grips our heart requires us to actually give it away, to be set free. And God says, give it to me. I want you to understand my heart. I want you to understand my loves, things that I love, that I care about, that are important to me so that you can come alongside and experience my love for you and my love for the world in a way that you can never imagine unless you walk with me. That's God's invitation for us. I love this, what it says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. God continues on the conversation and he says this to his people. 
says, I, the Lord, or right here, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Oh, we already read that one. This is what it says, Malachi chapter 3, uh, verse 10. It says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Do you see the heart of God coming through as we talk about money and tithing? God is inviting his people today just like it did in the Old Testament, just like he did with Abram that says, I want to invite you to be the conduit of blessing for the world. And it is from me to them. I'm going to bless you and I'm going to give you extra so that you can continue to be my hands and feet in a world that is so lost and so broken and so hungry and so sick and so needy, but you will get to be the hands and feet of me in a world, not to store up treasure for yourselves, but to store up treasure, people, souls that will live on for eternity. This is God's heart for tithing. I want to invite all of us to think about what, what is God inviting me to in the realm of finances in my own life? You know, a question I, I remember somebody asked me this years and years and years ago. They said, does, do you own money or does money own you? Like the stuff that you have, is it, is it yours? Does it, does it just grip you and control you and it just consumes your mind and your thoughts and your preferences and your emotions and feelings? And Does your money dictate a lot in your life and the ability for you to do things? Or is it the other way around? Do you control it? And do you get to decide this is what you exist for? You exist for this purpose over here and you exist for this. It's like controlling a small fire and saying, I'm going to use this carefully and I'm going to use it to do good for the people around me. I'm going to say, God, I trust you with this. I'm giving this back to you, not just to even be a part of you and the conduit that you've called me to, but to remind me that all that I have is not of me. It is of you. We did something cool here at Frontline, uh, I think it was about three months ago now. It was in towards the height and towards the beginning of the COVID-19 uh, spike in cases and whatnot. And so a lot of people were getting laid off. And, and this was something that really stuck out to me and actually really impacted me. It was a lot of Christian and nonprofit organizations in our country and all over the world that are already meeting pretty bare essential important needs uh, in countries like Belize. In countries like India, countries like Ethiopia and Uganda and Sri Lanka, organizations that are doing significant hands and feet on the ground, hand-to-hand, -hand, medical, food-related, basic necessity type treatment. These are organizations that are already working. And what happened when COVID-19 hit and the cases spiked is that giving to these organizations plummeted. Something Amanda just talked about uh, just thanking many of you for the way that you have so 
just generously blessed this church and this place with your funds, your tithes, your offerings. So many of you have blessed this place. And so what we do is we take that so seriously as a church and we say, what are the places that God is calling us to invest? The places that God is calling us to give to in our context that have needs right now. And so we came up with this fun idea to partner with all of our small groups. We have about 35 small groups here of regularly meeting people, somewhere between 8 and 15 people that meet on a a weekly or bi-weekly basis. We said, what would it look like if we give every one of these groups $250 and say, you pray about it, you discern, you figure out, and you hear the needs that are in your context, the things that are popping up in your social media, the things that you see on your way to work, what we want you to do is to pay attention to these and then partner as a group and say, this is where we want to give these funds. And then we want to raise funds together as a group and we'll match it again. So this is kind of crazy, but what we ended up having was uh, almost all of our groups participated. They decided where that original 250 went. And here's some some crazy statistics. There was $8,505 that was raised by small groups, by you watching this right now, $8,500 that was raised, which translated into a total impact of $20,075 that was totally given away in the height of one of the biggest needs over the last four months. What an outstanding opportunity for the church to live in and to be the conduit The blessing that God intended to bless through Abram for the sake of the world. Here we are as a church living this out. You are. Here you are as a church living this out. But check this out. Here's where it went. Child hunger. Teen pregnancy. Health care. Teen parenting. At-risk youth. Drug addiction. Churches Abroad, churches local, we were able to come alongside. You were able, as the church, to come alongside and bless the world with this thing called money. I just can't help but picture God as a proud father saying, those are my kids. Those are my kids that are representing me, that are working as ambassadors of me and making a significant difference in our world. This is the heart of God that he is inviting us to when it comes to tithing. Here's how I want to close. I want to remind us that the tithe does not exist to control you. The tithe does not exist to tax you. The tithe does not exist to give you an obligation or to make you feel guilty. And and God, if you ask this question, you say, why would a God require money from me? I want to respond and I want to say this, that the greatest, most expensive, and most valuable offering that was ever made was not from us, as people or humanity, but for us. It was not to God. It was actually from God. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world. For God so loved you and me, our brothers and our sisters, aunts, uncles, grandmas, grandpas, neighbors, coworkers, fellow students, teachers, doctors, nurses, school bus drivers. You, you, for God so loved humanity, he so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. 
So whoever believes in him will not die, but will live for eternity. The greatest sacrifice that was ever made was God not giving 10% to us, giving us 100%. Giving us all of who he is, the most important aspect of his relationship with his one and only son. What God did is he laid that down for you and me. And in his love, in his deep fatherly love for us, invites us to do something that's hard something that's difficult, something that that actually requires a lot from us. And what it is, is he requires us to trust him practically. To say, I want you to take the first 10% that comes in. I want you to trust me with it. I want you to to give above that. I want you to, to give offerings. I want you to align your heart. I want you to align your very soul with my heart so that what you see, the tithe is not about obligation. The tithe is about opportunity. Because obligation, it it seems like it's always too much. But something about love, when it's in love and and worship and adoration and gratitude from God, it seems like, God, I can just never give you enough. I just love you and want to keep giving to you because I see the impact of what you are doing and what you are at work in in the world, God. And I want to respond to the invitation from you to be a part of it. God's deep heart is not to take something from you. It's to give something to you. So here's where I I want to land. I just, I want to ask you this question. Does money own you or do you own it? Is your heart in line with the heart of God? Are you able to step in and trust him in a way that's more than what you're doing right now? Maybe some of you have tithed and you've given 10% for as long as you can remember. Like Maybe you're one like me that, that grew up learning how to do that. Here's what I want to challenge you. Maybe God needs to, or, or maybe you need to trust God and take that to the next level and say, God, I, I feel this getting a grip on me again. I feel this owning me again. I feel this, I find myself thinking about me and building my kingdom rather than you and your kingdom. God, maybe I need to give you more to release myself from that. Maybe that's you. Maybe if you've never given before, maybe, maybe if you've never felt able to do that before, maybe a great place to start for you is to ask this question and come before the Lord and say, God, what can I give to you right now? God, how can I trust you? What is something I am putting my hope and faith and trust in right now? And God, can I offer that to you to make sure that you know, and maybe even just to test me that God, I trust you, not that. God says, test me in this. I am ready and excited to restore, to to bless, to give to you so much so that you can be in line with my kingdom. I want to bless you. This is so important for us to land, I think, in this place. God desires to give you a gift today. And like so many other things, it often comes in a package that's different than what we would expect. So I'm going to pray for us here in a second, and then we're going to go on to worship here and close our service together. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for what you're doing right now, just in the lives of our church, the lives of people here, and the lives of families. Father, I pray that you would raise up a generation of people that's wholly devoted to you. That every paycheck, every dollar, every retirement fund, every possession, every house or vacation, whatever it is, Father, that we, we see it as a gift from you.
I pray for opportunities, Lord, that as, as we leave, you would give us eyes to see and perspectives to see opportunities in our world to give, to sacrifice for, to offer up for the sake of your kingdom. Father, free us from the, from the sin and from the shame and from the guilt and from the pride and the greed that so often grips our heart when it comes to this thing called money. Father, free us, stir in us through your Holy Spirit and call us to what you want us to do. Make it specific for each and every person that's listening right now. Father, we love you. We thank you for your son, Jesus, for making the ultimate sacrifice for us. We love you. We trust you. You are our shield and you are our very great reward. We love you, Lord. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.